Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Last week, our, our study was, I will worship with other people. I will worship with others. And tonight, the, the lesson is much a, such a, a very similar in spirit, but it, it is called, I will grow together with others. I will grow with others. I, um, I, I don't know if you remember, there was times when uh, in our church and other churches when that, there was one restaurant in town, if there was more than one church in town, there was still just one restaurant in town. And it seems as if that after every service, everybody would go down to that one restaurant. I was trying to get a hold of a pastor not too many miles away from here uh, a few years ago, and I called, and um, somebody answered the phone at the church. And the church happens to sit next door to a Dairy Queen. And the Dairy Queen apparently is the only restaurant in our only, I don't know if that qualifies as a restaurant that's probably more of a heartburn alley or something but um, but uh, a little lady answered said no he's not here let me see if he's already gone over to the Dairy Queen so she says hang on so I hear her start yelling out the back door of the church hey is brother so-and-so at the Dairy Queen yet and they look over yeah his car's over there so he's already over there and so it was just obvious that they just moved their service from there to the Dairy Queen afterwards and there's, there's been seasons of time like that I know when we first started uh, our kids were little and we would always go fellowship after church and wherever we went people seemed to go with us and uh, it was uh, we went where kids ate free on Wednesday nights and for a long long time we had a, a, a Shoney's over here and, and now it's some sort of uh, I don't know dangerous dangerous what's there now but um, we would go in because kids ate free on Wednesdays. And so we had two little straggly kids, and they, they would eat free. And we were poor, and so I could get a bowl of soup for 99 cents. And my wife was always more finicky, so she'd get like a three ninety nine sandwich, okay? We'd make the kids drink water. We'd tip a dollar. We'd be out of there for $6. That, that was the way that it was. But, it, but wherever we went, it seemed like the whole group would go in those early days when there was... 10 of us and then 20 of us and 30 of us and then with time with time things things have have changed but it seems as like that fellowship is in a very important part of an apostolic church fellowship is important and uh, we live in a day when that um, that uh, people sometimes are a bit hesitant to fellowship uh, we live in a day when people build walls they don't some folks don't want people getting close to them and face it, some of us sometimes are broke and we're financially embarrassed and we don't, we, we couldn't go sit down at a restaurant if we wanted. You ever been there before when, when everybody was going to go and have some fellowship and you were so poor, you were poorer than Job's turkey. Job's turkey was so poor, he leaned against the fence so he could gobble a little bit. It's just, it was, it was a situation where you were, I've seen some of you have been there before, where you're just broke. And, and so you, you feel awkward with fellowship. Well, tonight I'm talking about an aspect of fellowship that you found in the New Testament church that I, I want us to I want us to look at Acts chapter two verse number forty six. 
the Holy Ghost had fallen. People had received the Spirit. There were 3,000 had been saved that day. A great message had gone forth. There had been signs and wonders and all of these things had happened that day. And then in chapter number, number 2 of Acts, verse 46, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They, they continued daily with one accord in the temple. Think about that. They were faithful to the house of God. Whenever something was going on at the house of God, they showed up. We talked about that last week. They, 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 were, they were faithful. I feel like that I'm, I'm totally turned off, brother. I'm sorry. I, I may not be. But, um, but um, they continued daily with one accord in the temple and then breaking of bread from house to house. And there was this concept that they had of breaking of bread from house to house. Fellowship. Now, for the most part, we don't invite people to our houses anymore. Is there a witness in the house? Do you know your neighbor's names? Used to you knew all of your neighbors, and then you could send your kid over to borrow sugar. Nowadays, your neighbor can live there 10 years, and you've yet to knock on the door and know them. That's the kind of day that we live in. And, and, then, and then we don't want anybody knocking on our doors because that's our private zone, and we don't, we, we, we don't want to be messed with. Hey, there was a time when people would miss with church. I'd go by and knock on, hey, I missed you Sunday. I'm afraid to now. I might get shot at. And we live in a day now. If people don't show up at church, if you check on them, they get mad at you. If you don't check on them, they get mad at you. They're mad because you come by. You think they're backslid. And then they're mad because you didn't check by, so you don't love them. You don't care. It's, it's a different day. It's, it, it, is a different, it is a different day. But that there was this concept in Acts 2 where they were going from house to house and breaking bread and fellowship. There's something about fellowship in an apostolic environment that's part of it. It's part of it. And with this, this concept of, of having, having fellowship, they gathered and they worshiped together, but then they also fellowshiped together. And, and I think that there ought to be a revival, a revival of fellowship at our homes. Amen. There ought to be a revival of, of fellowship of, of just, hey, you're poor, I'm poor, y'all come over here, y'all bring a bag of chips, we get the weenies, we, we can't afford chili, and we'll get, some, we'll get some frozen buns, we'll get some frozen buns out of the freezer, and we'll, we'll make this thing a banquet. It's pitiful. But, but the fact is, 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 is we're not as hospitable as we once used to be as a people. I mean, that's one of the qualifications of the ministry is it must be hospital, must be willing to, to, to entertain people and must be willing to help out people or, and host people into things. And that's not just necessarily in your house, but, but we don't, we, we're not hospitable at home anymore. Where's the Southern charm? Whatever happened? Whatever happened to that? So the overall health of the church is tied to two things. And I want to say it's tied to a good church service. I mean, you need the big service. You need a Sunday night blowout. You, you need Sunday morning when you got visitors. You need that. Uh, you need a good, healthy Wednesday night when there's classes going on and things going on on the campus. You, you need all of that. You need the combined services when we gather together. But there's also that aspect that comes when we break bread and we fellowship with brothers and sisters. Something happens. Because you can go to church with somebody, you can shout with them, you can worship with them, you can even pray with them, but you don't know who they are. And it's amazing what happens when, when you just spend some time and you get to know somebody and you discover, 
you discover some great treasure, some great friend, something, something that is incredible. Studies come to show us, now this is going to blow you away. Studies have come to show us people who join a church or come to a church but only attend the worship services are seldom in that same church five years later. People just come to church, they're not there five years from now. It goes on to say that new members who not only join a church but then participate in the smaller group activities are five times more likely to be in that church five years later. So a new family comes to the church, a new convert family, somebody moves to town. If they only, if they only just... The Sunday morning type saints are usually not there five years later. But the, but the group, the kind of people that attach themselves to things that are happening, they attach themselves to say they want to they join a choir or they, they want to teach a Sunday school class or they want to drive a bus or, or, or they, they want to they be involved in some of the small group things that we have or, or some of those things. Those type of people that attach themselves and the things that are away from the main services, they're more apt to be here five years from now than, than, than those that just show up for the services. Worship only members don't seem to stay very long. But 83%, listen, 83% of new members who get involved in smaller group settings remain active in the church five years after they've come, while only 16% of the worship service only attenders are there five years from now. But how do we move people? I mean, we did this thing a, a few years ago and the book went around and a lot of us tried to embrace uh, this concept of simple church. And the, and the whole thing of simple church was to, is to have, uh, I picture your, picture your church as a baseball diamond. You got home base, first base, second base, third base, and back at the home. And, and if you could just get somebody, if you could just get somebody to show up on Sunday, they're sitting on home base. They got a chance to hit. And if they would respond in any way, if they'd come to an altar, if they lift their hands, if they, if they, if they would, uh, if they just, uh, you know, any sort of response, if, if they'd come back on Sunday night or, or, or if they'd send their kids to a Friday night service or something or, or get their kids involved, just any sort of response, it's time to shout because you moved them to first base. And then the idea was then that you, you get them, if they came on Sunday morning and, and they came on Sunday night, if you can get them in a Bible study or get them baptized or, or get some other step that they would make, you'd get them over to second base. And, and then if you get them to show back up on Wednesday, now you're at third base. And you, you want to get them home. And the whole idea was, is, you know, just going around the four steps uh, didn't get them saved, but you wanted to keep moving them and, and move them back to first. And constantly keep them moving and get them involved more and more and plug people in more and more and have, have this, this going on. But, but something, something happens when you realize this is more than the mechanics of just trying to move people from base to base. There's got to be a connection that takes place. There's got to be a connection. And we, we cannot effectively grow while we're isolated. I mean, if, we're the, if we are the Sunday morning only kind of saints, we're not going to grow spiritually. There's got to be more than this, than this growth inside the church than just coming to church, just paying our tithes. There's got to be a connection. And that connection doesn't, it doesn't lie. But that's not the responsibility of the new person who walks in here to find a way to get connected. That responsibility finds, falls on the guy that's at the front door. 
That's on, the, uh, that's on the usher guy that opened the front door. He's got to find a way to connect. Uh, the hostess lady that's up there asking them to sign up and putting them in that awkward position, there's got to be a way to connect. And, and, and the people that sit on that same pew, they've got to find a way, a, a way to, to connect. And, and I wish everybody was like Patrick and Alicia. When they came here, they just kind of showed up and pushed themselves on everybody. And, and uh, I mean, I mean, that's a pushy woman right there. I, I mean... <laughs> she just just shows up. Hi, I told you the story one time. Hi, I'm Alicia, and and, and there, there was this connection, and and they were they were sharing their burden and things, and that's exciting when that happens. But every, every woman's not a pushy woman, thank God. <laughs> and some folks have got to be included and drawn in. Some folks just don't feel like they're apart, and when you don't feel like they're apart, you're you're very slow to push yourself out. Amen. So I, I want to I want to suggest that if we are in these an isolated Christian, if we're somebody who only attends at a service uh, uh, that's, that's required and mandated, but doesn't get involved in other stuff, then 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 we we seem to to lose those type of people. But why why when we have these things that's going on, when you have a an over 50s gathering or you, or you have a, we had a watermelon supper the other night, you know, on Wednesday night and, and you have these things. Uh, people tend, some folks tend to withdraw from those social type things. We cannot let that happen. We've got to find a way to include them. So I don't need, I didn't need that watermelon supper. You might not have needed a slice of watermelon. Uh, you might not, hey, this guy over here might not need a whole watermelon. I picked him about it. But here's the deal. You might not have needed that watermelon supper, but you're showing up might have meant something to somebody else. Okay, I know this is the smallest crowd we've seen in a while. It might be a good night to talk about this. And too bad we're not getting recorded. I mean, I don't know. I don't think we're being recorded tonight. But, but, but the fact of the matter is this. Is, is if I don't show up, people are going to wonder, where is he at? We have people around the church a lot of time who, who, who say they want to be leaders. And, and then I, 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 we sit on church on Sunday night or Sunday morning, and they're sitting two rows from the back. I'm trying to think, how can you lead from the back row? Now, that's good preaching right there. Now, that is good stuff. How do you lead from the back row? I mean, you crack the whip from the back? I'll teach you a quick little leadership lesson. Saul was the first king of Israel, okay? And the way his calling came to him, he lost his donkeys. He was chasing his donkeys. And when he finally got them, uh, he never did catch up with his donkeys when God got a hold of him, okay? But he got the call, and, 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 and finally somebody brought him his donkeys. And how do you, how do you deal with donkeys? You deal with them from the backside. I mean, you got you to hit them with a whip, and you got to hit them with a board. And that, that was Saul's concept of leadership. But David was a shepherd man after God's own heart he had this heart of a shepherd the shepherd gets out in front of the people and if somebody wants to be involved in leadership they don't need to be riding on the back row and hanging around late and not showing up half the time they need to be there now that's good stuff that's good stuff and too bad it's not being recorded because that other guy needs to hear that your brother-in-law needs to hear that tonight <laughs> amen I know many people I know many people who, who really don't want to be involved in anything. I just want to go to church. I just, I just don't want to be bothered. You know, there's people who've been offended in the past. They've been hurt in the past, and they carry offense, or there's been something going on, yet that, or they've been burnt out or something, and I, I, just, I just want to worship. And if people show up, 
that way for a season. That's all right. We'll love them where they're at. But, you know, there's got to be a Bethesda that takes place in their life. There's got to, Bethesda's that healing place. And there's got to be some healing. They've got to move beyond whatever happened yesterday. And when that happens, uh, there's got to be something in their spirit that says, I've got to do more. I've got to get my hands in the kingdom. I'm a singer. I'm a teacher. I'm a driver. I'm, I, I, I've got these gifts and talents. And all. They can't just lie there dormant. And, and when we move past that place where they've, they've healed a little bit, we've got to find a way to draw them into this thing. Let me just, let me just caution you. Don't get mad if somebody sits on your pew. And don't get mad if somebody sings your song. I mean, the other night, uh, Eddie and Jennifer Drake, they dropped by a couple of Sunday nights ago. Their job took them away. And, and uh, there's one song, I forget which, which one it was now, but I remember that was a song Eddie always sang. Well, Eddie forsook us and somebody else sang a song the other night. And, and when he come by, I says, Eddie, see what happens is that when you quit showing up at church, uh, somebody else gets to sing your song. And we had a good laugh about it. But the fact of the matter is, is, is if we only have one person can sing one song, we got a problem. If we only got one drummer, we got a problem. If we only got one piano player, we got a problem. I mean, thank God we're blessed with, with, with people. But you know something? It, it doesn't need to be anybody owns a job. I mean, we're going to have a lesson on Wednesday night, uh, whether I teach it or not. And we're going to have worship on, uh, on any, given, any given service, whether or not the song leader is that one. What we're going to do is we're going to mix it up. Okay, because we used to have situations where if the choir leader was going to be out of town, we didn't have choir. I mean, that was, that was an old idea of it because we don't penalize a whole church over one person going to be out of town. So we have to have multiple people do multiple things. And what happens is, is, is then we have to share the love and spread the love out. And, and, and then we, embrace, we find ways to embrace people and involve them and give them this sense of ownership. And I'm talking, there's got to be not a material ownership, but there's got to be a spiritual ownership of the church. This is the way it works. And I'm, I'm deviating, but, but I think we're kind of staying on point at the same time. When somebody first comes to a church, they say, man, y'all got the greatest music. Or they'll show up and say, man... I love your church. But after a little while, they'll slip up one time and says, man, our choir sang so good Sunday night. And when I hear that pronoun change, I'm thinking, yeah, that's something good. Because it was third person, y'all, or yours. But now it's become first person possessive and it's mine. Okay, and so they may, may well, well, the church sure is nice, or your church sure is nice, but when it says, you need to come to my church, now this has become possessive. And when people feel included, and when they feel part of the fellowship, and they feel drawn into this thing, that's when they say, hey, I want to bring my friends with me. I want to bring my family with me. I want to, this is more than just me attending formally from a distance, but now I've got ownership in this thing. Amen. And so it's important that we do everything in our power to assimilate people when they come. I want to talk about four things quickly. It's 10 minutes after eight and we will, we will rush through this. There's four factors that when you involve people, what begins to happen. First off, the number one factor is the relationship factor. When people feel connected, when people begin to have relationships formed, you couldn't drive them away. I mean, when they feel like this is mine and they're becoming connected with the church, connected with the people, and they spend time with people of like precious faith, then suddenly this is my church. This is, this is where I belong. This is, this is my youth group. This is 
This is my Sunday school class. This, this, is, this is what I do. And being together at other times besides the church service builds these connections. Let me just say this, and I really wish this was being recorded. You're here tonight, and I'll tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to slide this in some other time real soon, okay? You know, how many of y'all have fellowship groups around the church? Just, you just have a few friends that, you've, that you know and you fellowship with. You know, it's a shame, and this is very direct. It is a shame when you eat out after every Sunday with the same group of people. And, and I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the other group people's bad. I'm talking about the fact that, that there is this group that's always together and it's never inclusive of someone else. You know what should happen to some people around our church? I'm telling you, some of you people should shock your whole friend group and say, I'm blowing y'all off this Sunday. You're on your own. And there was a family I've never been with over there. I'm going to go and I'm going to spend some time with them. You know what? It, you wouldn't know how to act. And because you tell the same old stories, the same old people, the same old Sunday afternoon, the same old Sunday night for years. Don't you? You're guilty of this. I mean, it would, it would, it would, um, it would blow somebody's mind. If, you know, and I've had people tell me this. Well, nobody ever invites me anywhere. I'm thinking, you've been a member of the church for 10 years. Nobody invites you. Why don't you initiate a little fellowship? Why don't you start a relationship? Amen. It's, it's, it, behooves, it behooves us, to, if we want a friend, to be friendly. And it's really not God's way for us to sit around and our feelings hurt because nobody ever wants to be with us. That might be why nobody ever wants to be with you. I want to be bold tonight. If you're not involved somehow in some sort of small group somewhere in the church where your hands are getting dirty, you're not very committed to your church. Somewhere in the ministries that this church offers, you've got to have your hands in the kingdom. You've got to be involved with something. You, you've got to be doing something. You, you've got, I mean, you've got to be singing in the choir or driving a bus or baking a cookie or signing somebody. I mean, somewhere in the scope of the ministries of the church, you've got to be involved in one of these smaller groups. It is a mandate. I don't think you can get to heaven if you've got clean hands. You've got to have dirty hands. You've got to have your hands in sinners' lives. You've got to have your hands in other people's lives. You've you, you got to have yourself involved in circumstances that really don't make a lot of sense sense that it kind of clutters up your your perfect little world but you're helping somebody get to where they need to be amen amen it's let me i just i just want to continue with this vein if, if their only involvement is the worship services it's very likely you won't be here five years from now amen if the only involvement is in and if you don't find yourself involved in a small group fellowship or service uh now, the book we're reading, I'm going to quote from the book for a moment, okay? And, and if you really, I don't want to be offensive, but since we're teaching from that book, then, then let, me just, let me just quote the book. It says, if you're not involved in some sort of other thing, small group, where you're helping somebody else in some way, you are a, quote, Christian sluggard. You know, sluggard is, is a human form of slug. You know what a slug is? You know, some old blobby kind of animal that crawls on plants and crawls. That's a slug. Now, a sluggard is a 
man version of a slug or a woman version of a slug. I'm just quoting the book here, okay? And it's not, it's not the Bible, but it's another book, what we're quoting right now. But if you're not involved in something else, you're like a Christian slugger who has become spiritually lazy, spiritually selfish, and uncommitted. You know, we live in a day when we want to live at our own speed and do our own thing and not be bothered by nobody else. Ought not to be that way. Lone Ranger Christianity is not the way it's supposed to be. I mean, you can be like the Lone Ranger and Tonto. You know, when they caught Lone Ranger and Tonto, they tied them both up and was supposed to burn them both at the stake. And and Lone Ranger looked over at Tonto and says, Tonto, looks like they got us. They're going to burn us this time, buddy. And Tonto looked over at him and says, me, we, white man. In other words, Tonto's going back native. He's going back to the Indians. He's leaving the white man alone. Some of us wind up uh, uh, not being strong enough for relationships where where, where we just get in a mess at times. I need you. You need me and we need each other. And we need what comes in the relationships. We need what comes when we fellowship at different times. And we need to be willing to facilitate fellowship with someone else and not have that poor, pitiful attitude that nobody involved me. In other words, it ought to be you involving somebody else. The number two thing I want to talk about real quick is the ministry factor. When we do ministry together, when we have church together, but when we work together in the kingdom, something happens, something's transformational when we work together to make something happen. Amen. I don't want to embarrass Sister Carol, but uh, we, we just buried her mother yesterday. And, 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 and so, many, so many of you were so quick to say, how can we help? How can we help? And, and, and you helped. And, and I, I wanna, I wanna, she had to travel and, and all of that. I thank you for, for helping. But there's a sense of accomplishment that comes to us when we bind together and we do something. No, that's, that's a, that was, that's not a great big help. I mean, we, we all, we all did a little, little bit there, but, but there's moments when we, we join ourselves together and we actually accomplish something that is incredible by, by doing this with unity. And there's other times when other people have passed away and people will come and say, can we take a meal over? Can we, can we do this? You know, what is it about the women folk that when somebody passes, they want to start cooking. Now, this is what I believe in. I love a good funeral. And at my funeral, here's what I want y'all to have. I want y'all to go buy about 10 boxes of 100 pieces of Walmart chicken. Because there is nothing better than Walmart chicken at a funeral. I love a good box of Walmart chicken. If you're just going to make me real happy, you can make it wings. Just buy wings and I'm happy. Just do that in honor of me. But the fact is, is when somebody has that moment, we want to rush to it. We want to help out. It's like when, when, when there's a cut on your hand and, and the blood rushes and then the white blood cells run because they want to make sure that there's no infection and, and everything rushes to the point of, of, of need. So there needs to happen, something happen in the body of Christ that when somebody has a need, we are there. And when a new family walks in, we, we wrap them up and we, we encompass them with love and with fellowship and and involvement. We find ways. We find ways to get them involved in other, in other areas of the kingdom. Amen. And I don't think you've, I'm going to just be bold right now. I don't think you have to be an absolute all the way, uh, 100% committed, uh, platform type apostolic Christian to have a place of involvement in the church. Amen. I don't, I don't think you've got to do that. 
I think there's places of involvement where people that are making steps in the right direction that we can, we can, we can plug them in and we can have them involved and to give them a sense of purpose. My concern is, is not the people's coming this way. My concern is the people that's going that way. I mean, going, you know, I just, you can see it. You know, they get the Holy Ghost on the front row. They get, they get their feelings hurt on the fourth row. And, and they get mad about something on the eighth row. And, and, and by the time that they're, they're dealing with the offense, they're fixing to quit. They're on the back row. Back there where Stacy is on the back row. And people just move. That's why they call it backslide. They're they just going back. I'm not going back. And if we keep people feeling like this is their church and we keep them feeling love, they're not going to go back. But that's my job, and that's your job. That's our job. So, what preachers, you should preach better. It's not just the pastor. I mean, we can lay out, we can lay out the best of, of messages and the best of music, but if somebody hadn't connected with somebody, that requires that connection. And ministry begins to happen when we gather together and, and we, we help somebody. The third thing I want to mention really quickly is the teaching factor. What happens when we attend the services and we hear good preaching, good teaching, oh, oh that, that's wonderful when, when, we, when we hear all of that. Uh, when we hear the word, we learn. And, and when, we, when we have personal study, we learn. But it's amazing what happens when you sit around in fellowship. Somebody starts talking. Somebody, maybe may a, a Bible study. It may just be a, a guy sitting around after, after a fellowship breakfast or something or, or, or just at some point we're, we're just sitting there more casual and all of a sudden the anointing comes in and some man or woman that's not, no, not your normal teacher, not your normal preacher, they just speak a little wisdom. They speak a little insight on something and suddenly somebody has made a connection and they, re, and they realize, hey, that guy's been where I've been. And when that happens, it's incredible. And, and that, you, you can't depend on a church service to do all of that. It comes from connecting with somebody. Amen. It comes from connecting. Just, uh, I'm going to give you an example. A few weeks ago, um, my wife, I don't know where this idea came from. It's really a simple idea because all of us are involved on these Facebook groups and all of us have these things. That all, of us, and all of us are involved on things on Facebook we ought not to be involved in. Am I right? There's stuff on there. Anyway, anyway, she started this little, and I don't even know what it's called. I'm not allowed to look at it. I hear reports. I said, can I be a part of that group? She says, absolutely not. You're not a woman, are you? I said, I will be if I can look at, look at what you got going on. I mean, there's, there's men that's acting like women. Being women, she can change into women. Might as well, you know, if I want to look at that page. Oh, Pray, church. I'm glad it's not being recorded. But the bottom line is this. She started this thing, and I am hearing more exciting reports about connections that are being made on that Facebook page. Some of you little ladies, y'all just started smiling right there. I, I even got an actual double Baptist nod out of two ladies right there that I don't normally get nods out of. The word don't mean much to you. The preacher, the singing, don't, but well, that Facebook page is ministering to you. Praise God. But the bottom line is this. There is a connection point. And, and, and I'm hearing reports of, of people are, I mean, I mean I, there's been coupon stuff and prayer request stuff. And I'm certain it's weight loss stuff. Some of you ladies have lost 1,000 pounds in your lifetime. And, and all of this stuff is going on. And, and there's all this stuff that's happening on that page. And it's because people are suddenly feeling a point of involvement. Am I right? 
Amen. And then, then, I, then I got reported. My wife had asked some of the ladies, I think it was on that page, to join around the front, praying early and worship and stuff. And I look up there, I saw people around the front, the services here lately that I hadn't seen around the front in a long time. I'm thinking, whoa, that Facebook page works. That, that thing, whatever that is, is working. Why? Because there's some folks that feel like connect point. They're feeling this involvement. They're, they're feeling this, they're feeling this, this thing that, that ministry is happening and, and we're, we're being connected with this thing and, and, and we're learning some things now. And, and now, now that this is working, it's exciting to see what begins to happen in people's, in people's lives. Titus chapter 2, verse 1, it's along the same line. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. That the aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they may teach. Now, this is talking about the women, but... Let's just talk man slash woman from this point forward. That they may teach the younger men or the younger women to be sober, to love their spouses, and to love their children. He said, the folks that have got spiritual maturity ought to be fellowshipping enough that their example and their wisdom is teaching the younger generation how to be a good cook, how to be a good wife, how to be a good husband, how to, how to be all these different things that, that are very, very important in our natural life. He goes on to say, we ought to be discreet, to be chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the good, that, 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 that the word of God would not be blessed. And then young men likewise should be exhorted to be sober-minded. You know what? There ought, to be a, there ought to be a natural thing happen that when somebody comes in that there's just a mentoring that takes place. That just an older, mature man, he just finds a way somehow to connect with a younger guy that's having a struggle. Or a young guy that's got his act together. He, he finds a way to connect with a teenager that, that's, that's from a troubled background. And there's just this natural, this natural order this natural progression of connecting and touching and fellowshipping and, and, and being involved. But you can't just do that on Sunday morning at church. We've got to be willing to touch somebody at another point. And that's where in our society we find challenges. Because when we become mature and we're no longer needy of those things and now we've grown and we've, we've got beyond some of those things. We've been around the Lord for a while. Now we're mature enough that we don't need all that fellowship stuff. What, what we necessarily need or don't need is not what's important when you reach that place of maturity. What's important is I'm doing this because I am bringing this other person, this other couple, this other family, I'm bringing them with me. How do we expect somebody to get the Holy Ghost and be involved in a worship service if we're not involved there? How can we take them somewhere if we're not there ourselves? And how, how can we expect them to be acclimated to a church family if we're not acclimated to a church family? And so what happens if we're going to go on this journey, well, we're going to take them with us. We can't take them nowhere we hadn't been ourselves. And so it's very important that we make, we make this we make this journey. Number four is the evangelism factor of, of what happens when we do this breaking of bread and fellowshipping from house to house. Not everybody's the outgoing type. There's some shy people in our church. Okay? 
There are some shy people. And there's people in our church that I would, uh, that I would, I would never, ever, I would be absolutely shocked if I ever saw them introduce themselves to somebody. And it's, it's not wrong. It's, it's because there's some people that's shy, okay? Then there's other people that's just in your face all the time talking, just, just there, okay? And I'm not calling any names. But, but with, with this concept of, of, of something happens when we endeavor to make this connection, evangelism takes place. Evangelism takes place. And we saw young Austin was here and he was in the altar. And, and while I was preaching, Trent was supposed to have been preaching. Y'all tell him I'm mad at him. Sunday night was his he pawned it off on me because he was going to run the sound and he didn't have to run the sound. He's going to play the drums. He didn't play the drums. And I had to work all day Sunday and I've not yet forgiven the boy. So anyway, now my bitterness just came through. Okay. I, I need to get victory over that because I'm not there yet. <laughs> but so when I was preaching, teaching, exhorting, whatever we did on Sunday night, while that was going on, Austin was back there with his hands in the air. And I'm thinking, what a miracle for this young man. He doesn't know anything about Pentecost, but I am believing somebody's going to make a connection with him and somebody's going to do some embracing with him. Somebody's going to teach him about the Holy Ghost. Uh, somebody's going to teach him how to behave. And you know, there's a scripture that says, that says that we teach some people how they ought to behave in the house of God. There's some folks just don't even know how to behave in the house of God. I mean, some of your kids don't, but I'm talking about there's some folks who just don't know how to behave in the house of God. But the fact of the matter is, is I believe like that young man, Austin, I believe there's a miracle that can happen right there that's so incredible. And looking on the outside, you might scratch your head and say, there's a long way to go. But you had a long way to go when you came. But somebody took time for you and somebody connected with you. Somebody dealt with your addictions and somebody dealt with your imperfections. Somebody taught you how to act. Amen. And so I think it's an absolute mandate that you and I do everything we can to make these connections with people and bring them along. Bring them along with us. Acts chapter 2, verse number 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Bless God, we've got to be apostolic. The apostles' doctrine. We, we you know, we've got to be apostolic. We've got to talk in tongues, baptize in Jesus' name. Make sure that your, your clothes is long enough on the men and the women. Make sure they're long enough on both ends. I mean, we've got to do all that stuff, the apostles' doctrine. I told the young people before they left town the other night, I said, listen, guys, I've been noticing some of y'all, some of you boys and some of you girls, I've been wearing your clothes too short. And i just been fuss, I fuss a little bit about the kids, about the way the skirts want to crawl up. And it seems like nowadays the britches want to crawl up a little bit. They want to wear them low and wear them short at the same time. I just I don't understand this kind of stuff. I'm off track. Let's get back on track. Pants on the ground, folks. You know what I'm talking about. Now, that is real anointing. And they continue steadfastly. And the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. The apostles' doctrine and fellowship. There's more to this than just talking in tongues. There's more to this than an altar call. There's got to be that connection of fellowship. And in the breaking 
of bread and in prayers. You know, as a pastor, I'm really bad about beating people up when they don't show up at prayer meeting. I mean, they don't show up in prayer. That's, that's, that is, that's bad. And so we just, we just beat them up bad. My um, sister and brother-in-law have been at the house for a couple of weeks. They just left missionaries of Spain. And um, they kind of, somehow we had a little meal at our house. It wound up being a party. Didn't intend it to be that way. But I looked up and there were three seasoned ministers over 75 years old in my living room. And then there were two or three of us that were in our 50s that were ministers. And there were several young ministers in, in our living room. And we had fellowship and, you know, and grandkids and mess and noise. And, and I was sitting over in the corner on the floor, just in the corner over. The, and I got to looking at the people that were there. And I noticed that the older folk, they were getting ready to leave. And so I stood up and I asked them, I says, before we leave, I want us to have prayer in our living room. And I said, we got three old lions in here tonight, three, three, old, three old warriors. Oh, hoary-headed warriors are all in retirement. I said, you're all here. I, I want your prayers and your faith in my living room tonight. And I want the rest. Of, there's several, there's several, it's a lot of, there's a lot of ministry there. I said, but I, I want your anointing to be here when you all leave. And so let's pray. So they started praying, and I just started crying. And I, I didn't do much praying. I was, that was one of those moments I'm just pulling and soaking, pulling, pulling out of them. And let them do the work right now. And let, let them pray because there was something that was happening in the dynamic that, that was happening there. Let me ask, how long has it been since there was prayer echoing in your house? I confess, it doesn't happen in my house as often as it should. But how long since, how long since there was this moment of fellowship when you decided, you know, we got, we got pizza and, and we got leftovers and we got you know half half empty things of dr pepper and we're sitting around and there's and there's debris all over the house but let's turn this thing from from being fellowship to being fellowship let's move from this aspect of just eating together to to doing some things in the spirit together and allowing this working of the holy ghost to happen in your house or in your fellowship group, or with whoever you met down at, at Starbucks, or, or what, wherever it is, there's more than just eating and the gratification of the flesh. But we use the tool of a little fellowship to move into the spirit and do something incredible. Something incredible happen. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if there was somebody here this weekend and you decided, I'm going to connect with that couple. I'm going to connect with that person. And you make the connection. And five years from now, they're still worshiping in this body. And they look back and say, it was because of this person that I stuck. I almost gave up. I was, this was going on. I almost didn't go back. But it was this person who sent me a text message. It was this person who, who called. It was, it was this person who sent me a, a, what are the private messages on, on Facebook. This person who endeavored to reach out and connect with me. And in a day when we have a thousand friends that we don't know, what would happen if you actually 
connected with someone. And you really were the one who literally glued them to the kingdom of God.